Hello there. Welcome to the Beloved Son Ministry Show, where we who were once only the prodigal children now dare believe that we really are the beloved children of the Father. This Father who has loved us with an everlasting love. So now, let us come together, yes, in all of our brokenness, in all of our woundedness, but also in all of our belovedness, to share with one another the impact God has had on our lives and the impact that He continues to have in our lives, so that our curses may become crosses and our crosses may truly become blessings. So welcome home, my beloved brothers and sisters. Good evening um, to everyone here and also to those who will watch it later. Welcome to day four of our Holy Week retreat. It is Wednesday of Holy Week, which means tomorrow begins the sacred triduum. You know, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter Vigil, and of course, um, Easter Sunday. And so let's just begin with a prayer. And a prayer, and a prayer that I will use is a collect from this morning's Mass. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. O God, who willed your Son to submit for our sake to the yoke of the cross, so that you might drive from us the power of the enemy, grant us your servants to attain the grace of your resurrection through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we're, we're almost at the point where, um, you know, every night it seems to, um, the gospel seems to be about the Last Supper. And, and you know, at least last night and tonight, we'll talk about a little bit about that, that betrayal. But tonight we get to see a little bit um, more about what, what went on behind the scenes um, in regards to the betrayal of Jesus. But let's first dive into the first reading, which again, we hear from the prophet Isaiah in the suffering servant. You know, I'll just read parts of it here. The Lord has given me a well-trained tongue that I might know how to speak to the weary, a word that will rouse them. Right, Our Lord was given, you know, in, in the very beginning of his public ministry at Nazareth, when he sort of when he sort of made his his statement of of his mission, that he will you know bring bring liberty to captives and 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 sight to the blind and and basically um, our Lord is saying that he will come and 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 make the people rise from from the slumber to 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 make them see what it is that's happening around them and, and to point them to God. And of course, we hear even in the Bible itself, you know, our Lord teaches in many different ways through parables and miracles. So, so, so he indeed has a well-trained tongue to, to make us think, think about what it is that's, that, he's, that he's trying to tell us and what it is that we need to hear. And also we hear that he, that he gave his back to those who beat him his cheeks to those who plucked his beard, you know, and, and also that his face, he did not shield from buffets and spitting. You know, although our Lord was given this well-trained tongue, although he could probably debate well, he could probably um, make a logical reason for why, for why he's doing the things that he does and people would be persuaded. But yet, 
he doesn't. He he doesn't fight back when when his persecutors attack him. You know, we notice in the passion, although he has a well-trained tongue, he doesn't rebel. He doesn't argue. He doesn't talk back. He just um, submits. He submits not to the Romans. He submits not to Pilate or Herod or the Jewish leaders, but rather he submits to the Father's will. And so that is why um, he was quiet, because he knew that this must come to pass for his Father's will to be carried out. And so even when, you know, and I, I think a very nice, not, not nice, but a very um, true depiction of this is in the Passion of the Christ in the movie. When, when we see how our Lord um, is treated when he's arrested and when he was even just led to, 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 the, to the Sanhedrin, he's shoved and pushed around and, I can recall one scene right after they leave the garden. Um, Jesus is pushed down this little bridge and, and, and he's suspended by, by the ropes that, that tied onto him, you know? And so the, the immense pain and humiliation that he suffered um, willingly, willingly because um, he knows that a greater good will come from it. And although the suffering servant, our Lord himself, remains silent throughout his passion, except for a few times on the cross, um, it is perhaps maybe he is um, deep down in his heart, he is praying the, the psalm that our psalmist gives to us today, which is Psalm 69, which, which says, Lord, in your great love, answer me. For your sake, I bear insult, and shame covers my face. I've become an outcast to my brothers, a stranger to my mother's sons, because zeal for your house consumes me, and the insults of those who blaspheme you fall upon me. That he knows that the Lord hears him. He knows his father hears him, and that he would deliver him from his enemies. And he does with the resurrection. Right. And let's just take, let's just bring, bring apart these few verses here from, from the Psalm. For your sake, I bear insult and shame covers my face for our sake, right? For our sake, our Lord um, bears insult. He's, he is insulted. Although he had no sin, although he had did nothing wrong, Yet he was insulted, and he bears those insults. He bore our infirmities because of love for us. He has become an outcast to his brothers, a stranger to his mother's sons. We've heard him say before in the gospel that no prophet is without honor except in his own native place. The Jewish people, his, his own people rejected him. They did not believe him. They cast him out to the point where they wanted him dead. Right? Yet, what is his prayer? Lord, in your great love, answer me. 
And why? Because zeal for for God's will, zeal for the kingdom of heaven consumes him. That's why he does it. Not because he enjoys suffering, not because he enjoys being insulted, but because zeal for the Father's will, zeal for the kingdom, zeal for the salvation of souls consumes him. And that is what keeps him going. It is what keeps him going. It is his zeal and love for us. And the insults of those who blaspheme you fall upon me. Right? He was accused of blasphemy, which he was, which he, he was innocent of. And yet, he was charged with that. Well, he was charged with a few things. Well, he was, he was put to death because he claimed to be a king. And because technically the Romans can't crucify um, Jesus for blasphemy because that's a religious thing. But he was crucified um, for being a king, uh, being called the king of the Jews. Um, but, uh, but we know that the charge that the Jews brought forth against him was blasphemy. And here we see that, that, that the insults of those who blaspheme fall upon him. Although he had, although he, he did not blaspheme, rather they were blaspheming, right? They were blaspheming against Jesus, the son of God who was present right in front of them. And yet they chose not to believe, chose not to believe, but rather they chose to condemn him and chose to um, kill him, mocked him. That then really is, is, is a blasphemy um, committed here or by those who, who did those harsh things to our Lord. And now we move on to um, our gospel for this, this evening. But be, before that, I want to, I'm sorry, be, before we move on to the gospel, I do want to um, read you the last two um, stanzas of the psalm because I think it will give us very good food for thought and meditation during our time of prayer um, after um, we're finished with our Reflection, and here it is. Insult has broken my heart, and I am weak. I looked for sympathy, but there was none. For consolers, not one could I find. Rather, they put gall in my food, and in my thirst, it gave me vinegar to drink. I will praise the name of the God in song, and I will glorify him with thanksgiving. See, you lowly ones, and be glad. You who seek God, may your hearts revive. For the Lord hears the poor, and his own who are in bonds he spurns not. We can see that played out in our Lord's passion, the way of the cross. He's weak. He falls under the weight of the cross time and again. He looked for sympathy, but no one showed him any, except for Veronica, right? We know, we know that Veronica risked her life, really, by going out and wiping our Lord's face. How, 
willing are we, brothers and sisters, to do that? How willing are we to, to risk our own reputation or our own um, livelihood to stand up for what is right and just? You know, of course, in schools, the example that I will give is, you know, if, if there is someone who no one really likes or talks with, someone who is not really, doesn't really have much friends, will we be brave enough to go and talk to this person? Will we be brave enough to go and try to be friends with this person? Because this person um, in our society is, is the Lord. And bringing back to, to more of the uh, adult level, you know, who, who are those people in our lives that we much rather not associate with? Maybe it's someone in a workplace that has wronged us. Maybe it is someone who has gossiped about us. Maybe it's someone that people just don't like because maybe they have a bad attitude. Maybe they, they, they don't, they're not kind. They're rude. But are we willing to look past that and go and talk with this person? Are we willing to say, you know what? All of that might be coming from a place of hurt, coming from a place where I don't know where it is, but I know deep down Deep down, that person is made in the image and likeness of God. And so I will, I will go out. I will go out and, and encounter this person, just like Veronica did. All right. You know, our Lord today is crying out to us in the poor, in the sick, in the dying, in the refugee, in the migrant in the imprisoned, the orphan, the widowed, the lonely, the outcast. Our Lord is crying out to us through those people and those around us in our own workplaces, in our own families. Our Lord is crying out. Our Lord is looking for sympathy, for consolers through those people. But will he find anyone to console him? Will he find anyone to show him sympathy? That's up to you and me, brothers and sisters. Are we willing to encounter the Christ in those around us, in the homeless, in the poor, in our enemies? Are we willing to see him in them. Moving on to the gospel now. Um, I, I, I'm going to read it just so we have it in our mind. So um, if you would like, you could just close your eyes and, and just listen to the words of the gospel. And then afterwards, I'll offer a few words of reflection. And then we will move on to our meditation and prayer time. This is from Matthew's gospel, and yesterday was from John's gospel. One of the twelve, 
who was called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? They paid him 30 pieces of silver. And from that time on, he looked for an opportunity to hand him over. On the first day of the Feast of, Un of Unleavened Bread, the disciples approached Jesus and said, Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go into the city to a certain man and tell him. The teacher says, My appointed time draws near. In your house, I shall celebrate the Passover with my disciples. The disciples then did as Jesus had ordered and prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he reclined at table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Amen, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Deeply distressed at this, they began to say to one another, to him, one after another, surely it is not I, Lord. He said in reply, he who has dipped his hand into the dish with me is the one who will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would be better for that man if he had never been born. Then Judas, his betrayer, replied, Surely it is not I, Rabbi. He answered, You have said so. You know, Matthew, um, in his account, gives us sort of the, the behind the scenes of, of Judas's betrayal. We hear that, and, uh, and again, this, um, if you have not read my, my daily reflection for today, um, maybe after our time together, you can go back and read it because it goes more in, in depth with, with, with what I am about to, to reflect upon is, is that Matthew shows us that Judas knowingly, knowingly goes behind Jesus's back, goes behind all of his brothers back and he goes to the chief priests. You know, there are many theories as to why Judas did what he did. Um, one theory is that maybe Judas, um, you know, he, he wanted Jesus to, to, to overcome the Romans. He wanted, he wanted him to overthrow them and to take the kingdom. But, but he's, not, he's not understanding why Jesus is staying still, why Jesus isn't doing anything. And so he wanted to use this as, as a catalyst, as, a, as something, something that will rouse Jesus to, 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 um, to rise up and, and take over the Romans. That's one theory. Um, but then perhaps, this, this is just my own theory, and, and I'm sure there are some um, commentators who have similar thoughts as well, that, you know, all the disciples went with, they were handpicked and chosen by our Lord from the very beginning, right? Even before they were born, 
God has chosen them to be the ones that our Lord would have with him. Day after day, night after night for three years. And you would think if Judas had a problem with Jesus, given their relationship, he would have felt confident enough to go to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, I, you know, I, I'm not sure what's going on here. Can you, um, can you explain to me why is it that we're not going against the Romans or whatever it is that, that his problem was? You would think that, that, that he would do that. And just like in our, in our own friendships or family, if, you know, if we have a problem with someone, you know, out of love, and we would go to that person and say, hey, look, um, I noticed this or I heard this. Um, tell me about that. How can we fix this, right? That's, 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 what, that's what we would do. And, but Judas didn't. Judas, you know, I think Judas was having a very tough time. I think although he was following Jesus, I think his heart left him a long time ago. And, and I think we, we know this in our own experience, how sometimes we may have people around us who may be, phys who, who may be physically there, but their hearts are gone. Their hearts are off in some distant country, distant place, but yet they go with emotions. And perhaps we have priests who are like that, who just go through the emotions, but then they have lost they have lost that, that friendship with God, with Jesus. And so things go down a downward spiral. And that's what happens, brothers and sisters. When we, when we lose sight of our personal friendship with Jesus, we will end up being there, going through the motions at mass or praying, but our hearts will be far away. And hopefully it will not be so far gone to the point where we'll be, where we'll be like Judas, who betrays our Lord. But our Lord, but Matthew also shows us something more here too, that although Jesus knows what's happening to him, he still has Judas by his side. He still invites him to this Passover meal. Right, even knowing what he's about to do, I mean, what he has done, and what he is going to do, he still invites him to table to meals. And we know that meals is something that we do to with close family and friends. A meal is, is what we do together, um, as a sign of our unity, of our communion. Right? That, that, that's why the Eucharist is. Holy communion is the breaking of the bread. We, we are one when we break bread together. So our Lord continues to extend this invitation to Judas. He's telling Judas, look, I love you. I know what you did. And I know what you will do. But I want you to know that I still love you. And that I want your good. I want your salvation. But you must choose whether or not you want that or not. And we see that very strikingly um, here, where after our Lord explains to 
to um, everyone that, that, that one of them will, will betray him. And we can see the confusion here. One after another. It can't be me. Is it me? Is it you? Is it you? And notice um, the replies from each from one of them. It says, surely it is not I, Lord. Lord is a term of, of reverence, of endearment. But yet, when our Lord asks, when, um, sorry, when, when it comes to, when it comes to Judas, remember, at this point, Judas already made a pact with the Jewish leaders. He took his money. Is he, he pocketed it already. So he was waiting for an opportune time to hand him over. And yet, what does Judas say? Surely it is not I, Rabbi. I can, we can only imagine our Lord looking face to face, looking and gazing into the eyes of Judas, saying, Judas, I know what you're about to do. I know what you've done. And you know I love you. Think about what you're about to do. Think about that. And even if you choose to go through with it, know that I love you. And what does Judas say? Surely it is not I. I'm not going to betray you. Even in the face, even, in, even when come eye to eye with the Lord, he chooses to not be, um, what's that word? Forthright? Is that a word? He, he chooses to not be honest with the Lord. And he lies. Surely it is not I, Rabbi. And Jesus says, you have said so. But yet, our Lord continues to love him. So my brothers and sisters, here we see the great um, love our Lord has for his apostles and for also for those who betrays him and for each one of us. That even when we choose to turn away from God, even when we choose to 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 abandon him, to betray him by by turning to sin, he still loves us. He still wishes for us to turn back to him. He still looks at us with a gaze of love as he did to Judas, saying, look, I know you've messed up. I, I know you've done wrong, but I'm here. Turn around. Turn around and come back to me. And we can start over again. But what do we choose to do? Do we choose to turn back and run back to the Lord? Or do we choose to say, surely it is not I. Surely, surely I have not sinned. Of course, I, I, I have not done anything wrong. I've done nothing wrong. So I'm going to keep on going. Our response, brothers and sisters, to our Lord's question or to our Lord's gaze tells us, tells us a lot about where we are in our life. Brothers and sisters, today our Lord gazes into our eyes, into our hearts, 
with the gaze of love, what will our response be? And I offer one final um, thought of reflection is that in the face of this tragedy, God's will is done, right? In fact, God uses Judas's betrayal to one highlight even more the divine love that God has for us, for humanity, and the divine mercy that he has for each one of us, that he extends to all of us, and his patience, right? And although Judas thought he was delivering Jesus into the hands of his persecutors with the, with 30 pieces of silver. Our Lord is really delivering himself up for us with the price of his own blood. That's the irony here that I mentioned in my reflection um, for today that while Judas delivers Jesus over to the Jewish priest and chief priest for 30 pieces of silver, for a shameful prophet, for his own selfish prophet, Jesus hands himself over. He, 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 he delivers himself to the hands of his enemies for the salvation of our souls with the price of his blood. Judas's act of deliverance leads to death because we know what happens to him. But our Lord's selfless deliverance leads to life, eternal life. There's a dichotomy, brothers and sisters. When we live for others, when we live selflessly, it will always lead to life. It will always lead to peace and joy. But if we live a life of selfishness and self-centeredness, we will never be fulfilled. We will never be happy because we will never, never be content. Because something, something will always be missing. Because, something, because that which really fulfills our desires must come from outside of us. Right? We're not self-sufficient. So what will really fulfill our own for, fulfill our desires must come from outside of us, and that's God. And Jesus shows us that. He shows us that. That, that it is love that transcends what the humans are capable of that leads us to life. So, brothers and sisters, as we enter into the Paschal Triduum tomorrow. May we ask the Lord to give us the strength and the courage to love with his love as best we can so that others may come to experience the same love and so we may one day be together in communion. So now let's just take a few, take two minutes for silent prayer and meditation. And here are a few questions that I um, am posing. And again, during this time, bring to the Lord all of your worries, all of your wants, all of your desires, 
all that troubles you, all your questions, your doubts, um, whatever they may be, bring them to the Lord now and ask him to show you and to uh, reveal to you what it is that um, you truly need and want deep down. The first question is, what are the things that I hold close to my heart? Do they lead me to God or do, or do they lead me away? Secondly, do I believe that God hears me in my suffering? And finally, have I ever settled something less than God? And then we'll spend two minutes in quiet prayer. This brings us to the close of day four of our Holy Week retreat. And then we will close with prayer. Let us pray. Father, in your plan of your son, in, in the plan of salvation in your son, Jesus Christ, accepted the cross and freed us from the power of the enemy. Teach us to accept and embrace our crosses as your son did. And may we come to share the glory of his resurrection. For he lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, thank you for joining me this um, evening. And just a quick reminder that tomorrow's um, session will be pre-recorded because of the, of the two masses we have at, at the cathedral here. And, and all are welcome. At 10 a.m., we have the Chrism Mass, where the priests of the Archdiocese renewed their priestly promises and the oils um, for the sick, chrism, and oils 
of the catechumens are, are, are consecrated and, and blessed. And in the evening, we have the Mass of the Lord's Supper, beginning um, the Paschal Triduum. The, the, you know, it's, it's really one big liturgy um, because you'll notice that at the end of Mass tomorrow night, there is no dismissal because it's a continuous, it's a continuous, it's, it's, it's a triduum. So again, tomorrow, so tomorrow's reflection and session will, will be pre-recorded and will be available on the website um, at some point. I'm not sure what time yet, but, but keep an eye for it um, on the website. And our next live session will be Good Friday night. Um, so hopefully um, you have come to um, be able to take, to take something away from, from our time together and that it's helping you grow deeper and deeper into the mystery of our Lord's um, life and love. And hopefully you will join me again tomorrow um, in a very pre-recorded way, but join me again um, on Friday for day six of our Holy Week retreat. So until then, know my prayers for you and please pray for me. And God bless you. And Mary keep you always. Take care. For more audios, videos, blog entries, and other resources, please visit us at www.belovedsonministry.org.